writing a beautiful story. We don't always see the, the beginning from the end, but you see all of it. And we thank you today that as your word goes forth, that the story over every person's life in this congregation and anyone who would hear this message would rise up on the inside of them again. Anything that the enemy has uh, questioned them and they've begun to believe those questions, today we believe doubt and unbelief is eradicated because God writes a beautiful story and it has a beautiful ending. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. We'll give God praise. Uh, that song, when I heard it, uh, actually, Hannah, uh, many of you know Kelson and Hannah, uh, she had a year there where she had a real battle in her health. And this song is a song that God gave her to keep her pressing through that time. And uh, when I first heard it, it's out of Psalm 27. But uh, in my life years ago, that's a scripture that God gave me. Uh, to hold on no matter what anybody else was saying, no matter what anybody else was doing, that the last part of the scripture is wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord. And so uh, I believe today God has a word for all of us. God has a beautiful story. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about you. <laughs> Let's make our confession here on the screen. Everybody together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. And uh, while you're seated, um, back in the back, we have one of our new babies. He's just about to tell you that he's here. He's announcing himself. That's Micah and Christine's baby. And his name is Asher. Probably we're not going to get him out. Or are we going to get him out? Oh, he's out. Oh, this is Asher. And he was born, what's the date exactly? February 6th. And, and his little cousin was born February 7th. This family does things together. Uh, they multiply together over there. But very, very happy to have this baby. Let's all pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for Asher. We just thank you that the peace of God rules in his heart. We thank you, Lord, that everything that he has need of, he will always have because Jesus is Lord over this family and over his life. We thank you, Father, that the peace of God rules in their home and that the joy of the Lord is their strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, he knows how to tell you what he wants, I want to tell you. That boy is... huh? He's an evangelist. Pastor Bill says he's an evangelist. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we welcome him, and uh, I think he's just maybe almost four weeks or a month. Four weeks, yeah. Hallelujah. Well, we're glad to see all of you today. Um, I've, I felt this um, in my heart to share for a couple of weeks on God's covenant with us. And because it's Lent, you know, that's a time when people, a lot of people will give up something for Lent. But, but I want to talk about what God gave up for us. And that um, in this time between now and Calvary, I always reflect on where I am in my life. Have I grown? Uh, am, I, am I 
uh, more aware of who God is in my life, in the life of other people? Has my faith grown uh, in this last year? Uh, I do reflect on those things because if we don't give ourselves a checkup, I don't know, uh, other people will give you a checkup. How many of you know their checkup of you is not always the one you want to hear? But if we give ourselves a checkup, it says in the Bible, just judge yourself. In other words, that's not to say all the bad things that are wrong with you, but it's to look at your life and say, am I growing in everything that God wants to do in my life? Am I getting uh, more confident that when I speak what he speaks, he's going to perform his word in my life. And so today, uh, I want to look a little bit at, at this story. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And um, <clears throat> Jesus made a way for us where there wasn't a way for the people in the Old Covenant. Everybody say Old Covenant. We have an Old Testament and a New Testament in the Bible. What that really is is an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. And the first covenant that God made really was with Adam in the garden. But the covenant that was fulfilled through Jesus was the one that God made with Abraham. And I don't know if you remember that covenant, but that's a covenant of blessing. Everybody say blessing. In Genesis 12, uh, God tells Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to bless everything that you do. And if your enemies are against you, I will curse them, which will bless you. So everything in chapter 12, 1 through 3, is about a covenant of blessing. And I think God wants us to realize that the covenant we have is an even greater covenant because now we have the power. Everybody say the power. The power of the Holy Spirit in us. We hear the voice of God. God is with us all the time in the covenant we have. So we don't just have a covenant of blessing. We have the ability through the power of Jesus Christ to walk in that blessing all the time. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Now, you don't look real blessed this morning, to be honest with you. But I believe by the end of this, you're going to realize, listen, I am blessed, blessed, blessed. And, you know, when our attitude is that we're blessed, our expectation rises. When, our, when, our, when we're thinking, well, you know, I don't know if God's going to do this. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll just pray and if it's God's will and, and praying things that, that aren't God's will. You know, we know the will of God. This is a beautiful story. Everybody say a beautiful story. So everything we need to know, God has already given us in this book. I've had people say before over kids, you know, I wish this one came with a manual. You know, I wished I'd have had a manual on how to raise this child. How many of you have ever thought that over one of your children? Surely there's a manual. Well, here it is. This is it right here. And if we're reading this, then our home will be a place where the Spirit of God is getting an opportunity to impart in our lives what is the will of God for this child. Uh, God has a, has a destiny for every child. And I, I want to put up, uh, you stay there in 2 Corinthians, but put up on the screen Psalm 139, 13 through 17. You know, Asher, there's a plan for Asher's life because the Bible says God created him in his mother's womb. God knew what he was going to be. That's why in this nation, abortion is such an abomination to the things of God. It's because every child in the womb has a destiny. And there are people deciding about that child's destiny. 
other than God in a lot of situations. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. This is the psalmist. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Can you go on from there? Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, everybody say, there is a story. They were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. That, to me, is the scripture that says abortion is not the plan of God. God has a design and a plan for every single child. And there's a story, because all the days of your life, God has seen what he wants you to do. And you say, well, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm my book. I'm in the wrong chapter or something. Well, you know, God can correct things if we just stay with God. If, if we separate ourselves from the Lord, there's no way of correction. But if we stay close to the Lord, we will eventually fulfill that story. I believe that in my life, I certainly have some chapters that are not really part of the story. I don't think the way God planned it. But out of that, God still put me where he wanted me to be from the very beginning. Uh, I remember my grandma saying, you know, God's going to get you girls. Chris said the other day, well, that was pretty funny, wasn't it? He got us. Uh, <laughs> but not the way grandma thought he was going to get us, you know, but he did get us. <laughs> and, you know, so, so those things that God planned for you, those are the things that I believe as a young adult uh, we need to pray that people will know what those are and not give up on those as dreams that God can fulfill, not because they're there today, but because they will be someday. That's why I really love this song, I Raise a Hallelujah, because what we're saying is in the face of the enemy, God is going to win. God is going to get done what he wants to get done in my life, in the life of my family. And we're living in a day, I don't know about in your family, but in my family, uh, extended family especially, there's some things that are not, I know, God's story for that person where they're at right now. But if somebody doesn't stand up and say no, you know, I raise a hallelujah here <laughs> in the face of my enemy. I raise a hallelujah in the face of this circumstance. I raise a hallelujah. That song, Raise a Hallelujah, was written in regard to a child that was dying. And a worship leader stood up in his bedroom and had nothing else to say or pray. And he said, the enemy of doubt and unbelief was so big in my face that the only thing that came out my mouth was, I raise a hallelujah. What was he saying? Everything is going to be done here by God. I c we can't do anything else, but we believe that in the face of the enemy, we can raise a hallelujah and the enemy will be defeated. That is covenant. Everybody say covenant. See, that is co that's a person who believes they have a covenant with Almighty God. When David encountered that giant, when you read that story of David and Goliath, you know, there's more to it than a little guy with a slingshot and some stones. What that's about is you uncircumcised Philistine. Who do you think you are in the face of God Almighty? What was he saying? I have a covenant, and you don't. 
and no weapon you form against me is greater than the weapon I am. Everybody say, I am a weapon. Your covenant is a weapon formed against the enemy. That's why Jesus came, to stop the work of the enemy forever. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, he sat down and he said in John 10, it is finished. Everybody say, it is finished. What was he saying is, you now have a weapon greater than your enemy. And it's a covenant with Almighty God. And this covenant puts us in a position of such dominion and authority that when we speak, all of heaven is listening. You know, I heard Jimmy Evans say, the man we had sharing on Wednesday nights, you know, we're going to be, and this is scripture, that when we get to heaven, we will be judged by every word that came out of our mouth. Or, you know, all the words that we say have purpose have a meaning. And that's why it's so important. And when we understand we are connected, I almost named this message uh, <laughs> super connected because we are super connected. Our natural is connected to super. I almost thought I'd get me a superwoman outfit, but it wouldn't look right. <laughs> I'd have to find me a superwoman to stand up here and wear that outfit. Besides, I don't think it might be church worthy in the pulpit. But anyway, <laughs> I wanted you to see this, that in the kingdom of heaven, you are now a superhero. You are a superhero. That means you have the ability through your covenant with Almighty God to accomplish things that someone who is uncircumcised or someone who is not a believer, someone who does not have Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life, they have not that ability to do. That will help you to not be so upset with people who act like the devil that aren't saved. They cannot do what you can do. What we need to be is who we're called to be so we don't look like them. Amen? We are super connected. We are super, uh, and we're not superhuman, but through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we have an anointing. Everybody say anointing. The anointing. Jesus was anointed. In Acts chapter 10, it says how Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And so I asked the Lord, oppression is sickness, disease, mental illness. It's every kind of thing. Oppression, that includes everything that Jesus came to take care of. But the very beginning of that scripture is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. The Holy Spirit is the transformation power in the body of Christ that will bring about the supernatural that we are looking for. But it is in the covenant. We already have it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have it. So when we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I, I love this scripture, um, this part of scripture, because it, it's talking about uh, Paul, and he's talking about the church at Corinth, and they, they had had some challenges what church doesn't. I mean, if any of you don't have challenges today, you can preach next Sunday. Come and see me after the service if you have the perfect everything. Because all of us have opportunities, and all of us fail and succeed. And, and so uh, this was written by Paul, and he has had some opportunities correcting this church. But in the second letter he wrote to them, He's, he's trying to um, let them know how valuable they are. The first one was correction. The second one is kind of, okay, now, you know, settle down and let's all get
get back on the right path. Now, I'm just paraphrasing. He doesn't say this, but he's, he's talking about these people that he has reached out to in the Corinthian church. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. That means their lives represent a letter of what they have been taught by Paul to be. And he doesn't need to come with a letter that says that he is uh, a great preacher, that he, is, that he has taught these people. It's not a commendation of him. Their lives say what he has done in their midst, which is, they're, they're a living epistle. In other words, they reflect who the glory of God is by what they have learned. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's us. That's what happens in us. Now, an epistle is a former or elegant letter, a composition in the form of a letter. Um, and I w I'm just going to go away from this. Just hold your place right there. But in Romans 12, 1 and 2, this is what it says about us. It says that we are to present our bodies. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And the last part, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That means that when the word of God begins to work in our lives, there's a transformation by the Holy Spirit in us, by the power of God in us, that changes us to look different than the world. Now, we may not know it, but the devil knows it. The devil knows you are his adversary. We have to recognize that we have an adversary. And then, as we become this letter written by God, everybody say, I'm a letter. I'm a letter. In other words, as we go on in this, you'll see, this. it says this is read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ written by us. In other words, what we've, what we've deposited in you of the word, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. And then he goes on to say, not on tablets of stone, but tablets of flesh. That is the heart of God. What is he talking about? The old covenant was written on stone. The new covenant is written in your heart. And so that all that God said that his covenant would be with the people is inside us. Everybody say, I have a covenant. So you become like David against the uncircumcised giant, which is the enemy of this world. Amen? Your stones are the word of God. You shoot those stones at the work of the enemy, and the enemy will fall. But if we continue to not know who we are in our covenant, everybody say covenant. Covenant is a not about how good you are or how bad you are. When I received Jesus, I, he took all my assets and liabilities. Isn't that wonderful? And he put me in a yoke with him, which said, I am the greater of this relationship. And I have come to take care of you. Now, I know that sounds real simple, but when you're a single mom with three kids and you're living in a place where you have no family, you have one friend, and you work every day, and you leave your kids alone after school, and you have all these things that are going on, and you don't have enough money, it is really good to know that you are connected 
to a super God. Amen. Amen? That is covenant. And in my life, that's how in my life I begin to get the victory. I didn't look at me anymore because I couldn't look at me because I, I would make mistakes. I would do things that, that maybe I shouldn't do. Or I'd try real hard, but I couldn't accomplish what needed to be done. But when I began to understand that I was connected to someone who said, I will do this for you. I will do this for you. Then my life began to be a letter. You know how I know that? The first time I came home from Tulsa after living there for only about six months, no, eight months, I came home at Christmas, and when people saw me, they said, wow, you look different. Your whole countenance has changed. I was able to say, don't worry about it. I forgive you to people that I could never forgive, especially myself. Why? Because I began to understand that I was connected through a covenant. Everybody say a covenant. This person was not going to leave me. No matter what I did, he would never leave me. If I didn't leave him, he would never leave me. Listen, after you've been through divorce a couple of times and you've got children and things are all scrambled up in your family, it's good to know somebody's there that's not going to leave you. Amen? That's a covenant. That's a covenant. That's why Jesus went to Calvary to establish that for you and me. And that blood of that covenant is the covenant that had to be made because the blood of animals could not restore the relationship to God. We're working on a song, and uh, it talks about the open door, the open door into the presence of God. And so this covenant that we've been given keeps us in a position where we don't have to just say, uh, John 10.10 says that, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God's, and we don't have to quote a lot of scripture because it's in us. Everywhere we go, it's a knowing. Everybody say it's a knowing. And so we, we quote the word of God. I use the word of God when the enemy's attacking me, but other times I just find the word of God just rolling out my mouth. Why? Because it's in me. Everybody say it's in me. And it's in you. It's in you. But this, let's go on with this scripture. It says, and we have such trust through Christ toward God in verse 4. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not the letter, not the letter which was the old law, the old covenant, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Everybody say, this covenant has life, has life. How many of you have ever been somewhere and somebody preached a message and when you left, you just felt like, wow, I'm as good as dead. I mean, I am not, I am, I'm done. You know, my goose is cooked. Uh, that's not the gospel that you're in. You're in a different dispensation. Now, the wrath of God is still on sin, but in God's sight, you are not a sinner. See, this is where it really gets touchy with believers. In God's sight, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. In this covenant, you are righteous. Now, that doesn't mean you're perfect. So, you know, don't go 
you know, out thinking, woohoo, I'm, you know. No, that's not what, it's right standing. Everybody say right standing. That means you are in covenant with Almighty God. But in that covenant, he has permission to correct you. And so his correction keeps you away from the work of the enemy. God is greater than your enemy. He's already defeated him. But if we put ourselves in a position or open the door to the enemy, then God will, by the Holy Spirit, begin to correct us. How many of you have ever been corrected? See, that's covenant. That's a God who loves you. That's a God who says, you better not do that. That's going to cause you harm. So when you get in this covenant, there will be correction, but there's so much love that's in this covenant that your life becomes uh, more of a reflection of who he is than who you used to be. Let's read on. It says, he also made us sufficient, that last verse, as ministers of the new covenant. Do you know God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just a few pages over, that you now are ambassadors? You are now ambassadors for Jesus Christ, that your life now is so controlled by the Holy Spirit that you can go and be like Jesus everywhere you go and do the works that he did. It goes on and says in verse 7, But if the ministry of death, which was the old covenant, written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation, which that's what the old covenant was, there was no escape from guilt. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. In other words, what we have now is far greater than what the people in the old covenant had. So even though David could recognize the authority he walked in, you walk in even greater authority for your life. So this letter that's being written about you, if we don't believe in our heart first, Nobody can tell you this, and you operate in it. We can preach up here every Sunday, but, but the reason we're up here every Sunday is to hopefully cause you to get in the Word of God to find out what you have in Jesus. Because what we're saying to you, you cannot have unless this story gets on the inside of you. Does that make sense? That's why when somebody says, I've read the book, sometimes people have read the book forever, but it never got in them. It got in their head, but it didn't get in their heart. This is the reason that when we see a dream, we can believe for it. This is the reason we stay with the dream, because we believe for it. And then it goes on. And I want to go down to verse 30, uh, 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. I pray that God gives me more boldness in my speech. I did something that I have never done, but um, Sue introduced me to an organization and it's Indiana Family Institute. And uh, you might get on and look at that. They, they keep an eye on the government down in Indianapolis. And uh, so we had a meeting, and I had gotten some things from them. And it said, um, if you want to you know, send a letter to your state representatives, uh, just push this button. Well, you, I've done that before for CUFI. And you know, push the button. They've already written the letter. How many of you know it's easier to let somebody else write the letter? But I felt like God said, no, you write the letter. Oh, I thought, oh, dear Jesus. This, I know this probably will have more influence because personal letters do make a difference. So I typed this letter. Do you know what? I got a personal letter back 
from a state representative. <laughs> I did. I thought, well, by golly, my voice does make a difference. Everybody say, your voice makes a difference. Why? Because you're in covenant with Almighty God, and God makes your voice have favor. And so the favor that's on your life becomes a weapon. Why? Because your covenant is a weapon. Amen? I'm clear off my outline. But I'm really passionate about this because I felt like God said, there is a beautiful story that people do not recognize, and it's about them. It's about each one of us. Nothing can happen in this world that we do not have authority and dominion to speak to. You say, well, I did speak to it. It didn't work. Keep speaking. Because the Bible says we win. Because we're in covenant with a God who is bigger than what's going on in our nation. Do you know God is bigger than what's going on in our nation? This is, this is nothing that God cannot fix. But God is in covenant with his people. And in this covenant, there is power. And then it goes on and it says, uh, Therefore, since we have this hope, we have great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains uplifted in the reading of the old covenant because the veil is taken away in Jesus Christ. Amen? What does that mean? Well, in, in uh, Mark, you can read toward the end when it says when Jesus died, the veil was rent. It's talking covenant. Everybody say covenant. Before that, you could not go into the presence of God. We, the veil is rent. We walk right in. It's an open door policy. It's an open door policy. We walk right into the presence of God and we get with God and we find out what God's saying and then we become a mouthpiece for God by the covenant that's been established on the inside of us. Um, I don't know if it's because things are getting darker. It says we will get lighter in, in Isaiah 60, brighter than anything. But I believe this is the brightness it's talking about right here in this scripture when it says, unlike Moses, we, we don't have a veil. Say, there's no veil. What does that mean? It means the glory of God is so bright through your light, through your face, who you are, that the enemy has no power to stop what you believe. What I believe. The veil has been rent. I, when I went overseas a few years ago, the very beginning, one of the very beginning trips, Sue was with me and uh, my sister. And I think, Sandy, were you with us on that one? You were on the second one. But they were with us, and we took 10 women on a bus for two weeks, added 20 others to it, and we rode around with a guy named Terry Henshaw, Shaw, who claimed to be Peter the Great on the microphone. And he gave us all this. It was, a, it was the most wonderful trip. And God was with us the whole time, but it was really different. I'd never done anything like that. And God gave me this scripture to take with me and had me put on a veil like a bride. And, you know, in olden days, <laughs> not that old, but, you know, in days past, the bride, when she would come down the aisle, she would have that veil over her face. And not until that minister or whoever was doing the ceremony would say, I now pronounce you man and wife, did that veil go up. And when that veil went up, it meant 
now you can come into me and me to you because we are one. That's what that veil meant. Same thing with this veil. When the veil was rent, it meant now you can come in and we can be together. Amen? The veil today, nobody wants to wear a veil. Today's wedding. But I'm just saying the purpose of this scripture is it very important. When the veil was rent, it meant this thing has been lifted and we are one. We are one. And people wonder why divorce is so, such a terrible thing. Because the veil was lifted, they became one, and then they split. See, God will never split from you. Once that veil is rent in your life, when you say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I receive him as my Lord and Savior, the veil is rent. Then, when you pick up the Word of God, how many of you could read it after you got saved? Made no sense before. Why? Because the veil. The veil. Now, what happens beyond the veil? It says, now the spirit, now, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Everybody say, I'm free. I'm free. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know why we're singing glory to glory in this church? Because I am praying and speaking over all of you. We are all speaking over ourselves. We go from glory to glory. And you have no idea what is happening to you inside. The veil has been rent. But what's happening is that glory is bubbling up on the inside of you. Because we're singing over you. And Jesus sings over you. The Bible says God sings over us. When the singing begins, when the worship begins, that's why I felt this month to do a worship service at the end. When I was praying about March, and I was over at the park praying, it was the 20th of February, and I heard. I said, Lord, what do you want to do this month? Please just do what you want to do. Have you ever just said, God, please do what you want to do? Well, be ready, because he's liable to do something that you weren't thinking he was going to do. And I said, God, please do. Let me say what you would say to these people that come. Let me say what you would say, not what I would say. And this is what I heard. This month will be a month of transformation in this church. Now, the word transforms people, but I'll tell you what will really transform you. Get in the presence of God. Everybody say, in the presence of God. We are connected to heaven. And when you connect to heaven, this is my journal. And, I, and I, it was I, somewhere back in February when I started hearing this message. But um, I want to read to you. And it was, and I'm going to read just like, you know, I just write what I hear. But um, I heard that the anointing of God when we worship is changing. Everybody say, it's changing. And you say, well, you know, I thought we did one fast song and then three slow, and I get here at 9.15. And usually, I get in on the tail end of the slow, the lights are out, nobody sees me. 
Well, it just might not happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because worship is presence. God says, I inhabit the presence of my people. We can preach, which we do all the time, but if God says sing, then we sing. Amen? And so when I heard this, he's, this is, well, where is it? I should have marked it. See, this is what I do. I got too much stuff in here. I can't find it. But it, it was this. Um, it's not about us. It is about the anointing. It's about the anointing. And he said, train the troops. Show them my glory. Well, you know how you see the glory of God? When you get in his presence. I'll tell you why, because this is what it says. We are all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror, the glory of the Lord. What, do you, what is the glory of the Lord? It's that place where God does business. Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The glory of God happens in the Holy of Holies. Everybody say the Holy of Holies. The covenant the children of Israel had. And this is why worship isn't about singing a song. Worship is about doing business. It's about giving praise to God and letting God do what he wants to do in us and through maybe others that aren't even there when we're praising God because we come boldly into his presence. That's what it says in Hebrews. And when we get in that presence, we are changed from glory to glory. So every time we worship in this church, things are happening. Everybody say, I don't need to miss that. And you say, well, I'm not a singer. Singing doesn't have anything to do with worship. I mean, the words are up there. You can talk them. What it is, is you bring yourself up into that place. We are connected to heaven. And praise is a doorway to that that you need, I need, and other people need. It's that doorway. That's why Jesus came. So in this scripture that I've been reading, God is putting us in a place, Hebrews 4. Everybody say Hebrews 4. Read this scripture, 14 through 16. This is what it says now. It says, seeing that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest. See, in the old covenant, the high priest was the only one who could go in this place. And he did it for everybody. In this covenant, we all go in. Everybody say, we all go in. And, and it, doesn't, it says, this high priest who could not sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Then it says, for let us therefore come boldly. Everybody say, boldly. To the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace. Everybody say, grace. To help in time of need. The song we sang this morning, and uh, I'm going to share more about this next week because there's, you know, the, the covenant course I teach or I taught in VBI is really long. Bill was in that course. And that's the one that you said really just changed his thinking. If you understand covenant, you will come in here different than you come in on Sunday morning. Amen? If you're, if you're thinking on it, it will change who you are all the time. I want to share one story, and then we're going to, we're going to worship just for a minute. But, um, well, maybe. Um, this, this, is, this, is, this is covenant. Everybody say covenant. I was listening to Joel Osteen the other day, and, uh, you know, I'm glad he's preaching some things that go along with what I'm saying. He's not preaching on covenant, but these things are true because of covenant. 
These things happen because of covenant. And uh, he talked about this woman who had, went to New York, and uh, she was going for an interview. It was her dream job, and uh, she really wanted this job. She'd done a lot of other things, but this was the thing she had always really felt in her heart to do. And so she was flying there to interview. She was in a taxi cab from the airport to this place. And on the way, she encountered a talking taxi cab driver. How many of you know, if you've ever been in a big city, not a lot of them want to talk to you. But this one was talkative and started talking to her. What are you here for, business or, you know, pleasure? And she said, I'm here for a job interview, and it's the one I really, and, of course, she must have been a little sanguine herself because she dumped the whole thing on him, you know, of why she's there and, you know, what she cared about, and this is her number one thing her whole life and all this. And so when, she, when he went to let her out, he said, you know, I believe today you're going to see that God's going to prepare. You know, he didn't mention the Lord. He just said, God's got a plan. No, he didn't say God, but he said, there's a plan. And you're going to see that it's going to work out. She gets out, goes in. Well, she finds out that she's in the final round of this with a, another person. And so uh, she had a really good interview, but, you know, she left, got, got in a taxi and went back to the airport and flew home. Later that day, the taxi cab driver just happened to pick up the woman who interviewed her. Just happened. Everybody say covenant. This, this is like covenant. So <laughs> she gets in the, in the taxi, and so the taxi driver starts talking to her. How was your day? Blah, blah. And she said, yeah. Well, I've been interviewing, and da, 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 da. And, uh, and he said, I had that woman in my cab this morning. I think I had her in my cab. You need to hire her. Listen, she told me blah, 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 all these things. The woman got out of the cab and said, I think I have my answer to which one I need to hire and hired that girl. See, God knows about it. He told about another lady in his church that was selling product. She had some kind of makeup product. And she uh, always wanted to get on QVC, that you sell stuff. And uh, I, I, I haven't seen that. But anyway, it's on the TV. And uh, so she wanted to get on this. She couldn't get on. She tried, tried, tried. And lots of times, couldn't make any connections. She went and set up a booth at some kind of a, you know, thing where you'd set up booths and sell your product. And she's in this tiny little booth, and across from her is QVC <laughs> in a big booth. And that woman that was in that big booth watched her the whole time at the end, came over to her and said, you know, I've been watching you and working with these people with your product, and uh, I think you need to be on QVC. <laughs> Went back, long story short, told somebody, and she's on QVC all the time. But what she didn't know, later she met the woman in QVC at some one of the things there at the production place. And the woman said, well, you know, the Lord told me. I was standing there. And the Lord told me, go help that woman get what she needs. And that's why I went over there. Everybody say covenant. See, that's how covenant works. That's what I want to talk to you about. Because too many times we are thinking about what we need to do instead of thinking about what God has already said he's going to do. Everybody say, I have a covenant. She had a covenant, and God knew about that, and she had favor. We're going to talk about favor next week. Favor has to do with covenant. It doesn't have to do with what you look like, what you smell like, what jobs you've had, what jobs you haven't had. <laughs> the favor of God depends on what God has designed you to be from the day you were created in your mother's womb.
That's the truth. Amen? Let's stand up together. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for every person in this church. Jesus, I thank you that you came to Calvary and you died for us. I thank you today that um, as we finish this service, I just want to... Um, I want us to, to do that song, um, Raise a Hallelujah, uh, because I believe God wants to restore some things in people's hearts that, um, you know, you've begun to do things in the arm of the flesh and see the, the covenant is written in your flesh. It, you don't look at a, you know, a, a board to see what your covenant is I think the Ten Commandments need to be everywhere but if you're a believer they are in you they are in you no 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 man can take away the covenant of God nobody can destroy that they can throw it in the trash on stone but they can do nothing about it if it's in your heart and so today I want us just to raise a hallelujah that's all I want us to sing I raise a hallelujah I raise a hallelujah and we're going to believe that if there's anything that's been taken from you, stolen from you by the enemy, anything you've let go of just because it got too hard, whatever it is, God is going to restore today. Because when you come boldly into the throne, you receive grace, which is God's unmerited favor. doesn't matter what you've done, only what Jesus did. And God has already decided to say yes to the things he's prepared for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you before we sing. In Jesus' name, anybody here? Everybody here know Jesus? Okay, let's just say this together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me. Thank you that you have a plan for me and a purpose, and I will fulfill it. Today, I raise a hallelujah in this place. There is no place for fear. There is no place for doubt. There is no place for unbelief. We bind all of that in the name of Jesus. We lift up your name, Jesus, above every other name. Above every other name. Lord, have your way in this place. <laughs>